This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put, oh, he's going hard for up the right sideline. Yeah, he's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Welcome to a special edition of the Republic of Football. I am your host, Mike Craven, the college football insider for Dave Campbell's Texas Football. I am joined uh, for this special small college preview section uh, by Corey Hogue, our small college expert here at DCTF. Uh, today we'll look at the WAC, we'll talk about the Southland Conference, the SWAC, Lone Star Conference, and even dip into the Division Three ranks uh, with the Texas-based team. So, Corey, appreciate you coming. This is kind of the first uh, first big. We're going to try to shoot for about an hour, hour-long preview of uh, small college football stuff. Oh, that's awesome. And and it's the first time we've we've sat down and done this in the five years that I've been here. Just, just really a, a podcast focused on it and a uh, lot of information, a lot of good times. And, and, you know, I always point out that small college is what wins national titles in Texas in college football. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Since Vince Young's won. I mean, how many? There's probably been like four, five, six national championships won in the state since the last time an FBS team won. Oh, so. definitely. Well, look, there were 16 that got wiped out with Mary Harden Baylor. 17 was Commerce. 18 was Mary Harden Baylor. And then Sam was in the spring of 2020. Yep. And then Mary Hart Baylor again. last year. So it has been quite a run yeah. in the small college. Yeah. For, for people who don't think the state of Texas takes football at every level seriously, there are 47 <laughs> colleges that play football in the state, and it's going to be 48. Yes. Pretty soon with, with UTRGV joining the joining the thing. So we'll start at the FCS level uh, with the WAC. For those of you who haven't picked up the magazine yet, it is in stores for the yes. most part now. So so go out and get those if you haven't gotten yours. Uh, if you're a subscriber, you would have already had it about a month ago. So maybe think about that. But for the WAC inside the, uh, the preview edition, you had SFA 1, yes. Sam Houston 2, and we'll talk a little bit about Sam Houston and kind of their limbo here in a second. Uh, Incarnate Word at three, and we'll get to that in a second as well, because <laughs> that also changed. Uh, Tarleton at four, Abilene Christian at five, Lamar at six, and Utah Tech at seven. So uh, Sam Houston not eligible to win the conference or play uh, in the playoffs this year because they're making that transition up to the FBS level. Incarnate Word took a little easy exit door out the side there and, and joined back with the Southland randomly before the season. Uh, so that's all, you know, behind closed doors here like that. That's all happened since like June, you yes. know, like we turn in everything like June 1st. And since then that's all changed. So it has. that is crazy. the, uh, that's the life of a magazine in today's <laughs> world, right? Like nothing's evergreen anymore. So, but let's talk about Sam Houston, even though that they cannot, uh, you know, play in the FCS playoffs this year, they can't, uh, win a conference championship. They're only playing a nine-game season. It's kind of a weird year for Coach Keeler. Uh, last year, they were incredible. 2021, they went 11-1 and in the fall, lost in the FCS playoffs. In the spring, if everybody remembers the 2020 year, the pandemic got pushed off to the spring for FCS. They won a championship. So they went 22-1 and yes. last year. Uh, in football, which is insane. That's way too many. That's way too many games for the for the human body. Only five more programs have more wins than Sam Houston over the last eleven years, and that's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and South Dakota State. 
that that is that's that impressive is stuff that's going on there. So I guess what I wanted to ask you is, you know, with Sam Houston not being able to compete for a conference title, uh, a national championship in the way that they have over these last couple of years, how much more difficult or how do you think Coach Keeler kind of adjusts to that with his locker room of guys that are used to competing for stuff and this year there's not much. What's the carrot? Hey, the carrot this year is Texas A&M and the Battle of the Piney Woods. That Those are the real carrots this year for his guys. And, look, it, I kind of relate this to a few years ago when Coach Keeler decided to revamp his offense, revamp his defense. That led to the national title. This is one of those kind of revamping years for Sam Houston, and not because they're not talented. They're extremely talented. But – they're going to use a red shirts to their advantage. That's that's what Coach Keeler told the alumni at a, at a function earlier this week. That and Bobby Williams, the AD, was on a podcast last night with the Bearcat Sports Network, saying we're looking to Conference USA. I've told my coaches to look there, but they're also going to compete. If you if you talk with Coach Keeler, you know he is not about losing <laughs> ever, right? So they're going to be competitive. I just don't know that they'll have the depth. Um, and maybe not even the motivation. It's been a long time. He will tell you, man, that was a hard yeah. year. That was a hard year for writers, <laughs> and we don't go out there and work out and play all the time. Right. It was a horrible year for yeah. the players and coaches. And this was all while they were still building a new weight room, locker room, all that kind of stuff. So they were kind they of alternate, like they were out in the snow shoveling their own stuff or whatever because they're playing in the spring and that snowstorm happened. He said he had to go to a feed store and find like feed shovels, yeah. you know, to shovel off the show off the ground so maybe a, a much needed deserved kind of respite for it sam houston this year remember too it, during covid time they would they they were redoing their weight room so they're walking to practice from the dorms or wherever and right. they're in uniform already <laughs> uh the coaches offices were the press box yeah. uh it just it was such a time for them and then because of covid they had to go through testing and go through all that but when they went in and then you know all those precautions they had to take try to stay healthy then focus on winning a national title yep. and beating a really good South Dakota State team in that game and then you you got like two months and then you're back into right. the season right. oh it was bad yeah Keeler told me if he uh, tried to give another one of his players a COVID test he was going to get knocked out you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. so they are sick of that after 23 games uh just to talk about the team a little bit you know Eric Schmidt uh, gone at quarterback that that's obviously the biggest hole you know what are your thoughts on the quarterback room and what that offense can kind of do the offense is going to struggle this year. They lost a lot. And they have a couple talented wide receivers, Ife Adeyi and Cody Crest. But they, the quarterback, is, is he's not ready to name – Coach Keeler said he's not ready yet at the alumni event to name a, um, a starter. Mm -hmm. So it's competition. And I think it plays into the looking towards 2023 in Conference USA to have that quarterback that's going to – we're going to use him for a couple of years. So we're just going to work on getting the basics in. You know, you're not starting – last couple of years he was starting with pretty much an entire offense and defense that already knew the book, already mm. knew the playbook, how everything worked. That's just an advantage. So they're behind there. Defensively, they'll be fine defensively. Defense will keep them in some games. But I expect the offense to struggle a little bit, especially early in the season. Yeah, they're they're they've added some transfers. They got B.J. Foster from Texas, Jordan yeah. Yates at quarterback from Georgia Tech. Um, so still some some solid uh, names there. You know, if, if Sam Houston was to, you know, be playing in in the whack like a normal year, would you still have picked 
uh, them to finish second behind SFA, like even even if they had kind of the full repertoire of, of their season and stuff? Yes. Yeah. And that's just – that's not any knock on, on Sam Houston at all. That is credit to Colby Carthel and SFA. Yeah. That's what that, that's what that is. Just because with the turnover on the offensive side of the ball, you know, it's going to take a little time for them to get some – and a new offensive coordinator. Sure. Too. You know, I mean, a new offensive coordinator in there, that that also. But don't worry about Sam Houston. <laughs> they're going to be okay. They're going to be all right. They've got the, – you look at what they're recruiting in and the guys they're bringing in. They've got four offensive line commits from 2023 already. Yeah. They are raking it in. Yeah, I mean, they beat UTSA out for a wide receiver uh, pretty recently, so doing really well on the recruiting trail. Before we move on from Sam Houston, I guess the last question for you on them is – how quickly do you think they can arrive in Conference USA and compete? Do you think they're, you know, kind of like some of these schools we've seen jump from FCS to FBS? They haven't had a lot of adjustment period. Do you think that's true for Sam, or do you think there's a couple years of kind of a an adjustment period? I guess. No, I I, I think they by 2024 when they're fully eligible to compete right. for, they will have a shot at a bowl. I really do believe that. And there's a lot of you look at how conference usa is changing all the fcs teams coming in there so they were they're already on the same footing with a few sure. other teams that's going to help plus coach keeler knows how to build and knows how to win and it he's going to be all right with that they'll they'll be competitive he'll be one of the only guys that's coached at like every almost every division of football in the country once he he's an fps coach yep. in new jersey and yep. then he went to you know, yeah, he went to Sam. He's been FC at Delaware. He won the title yep. at Delaware. So he has been. I don't know that he's been Division Two. I think he's been everything but D two. So he, yeah. he's been. Well, around. I can't remember if Delaware. I think when he first got there, Delaware was D two and then moved up okay. like the year after, or maybe it had moved up the year before or something like that. But yeah, pretty much every division of football, Coach Keeler has coached in. So shout out to Coach Keeler. He's one of our favorites up here. He's probably got some sunglasses on right now, even if the sun's not out. So I love messing with him about that. Moving on to SFA, Coach Colby Carthel in his fourth season. Signed a five-year contract extension over the offseason. So, you know, he's pretty set there in Nacogdoches. Eight and four last year, lost to Incarnate Word in overtime during the first round of the FCS playoffs. It was the first time they had been to the postseason since 2014. They returned quarterback Trey Self, wide receiver Xavier Gibson, a bunch of defenders like B.J. Thompson, Miles Hurd, Brevin Randall. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit. I mean, how good are the Lumberjacks this year? They're built. They are built. What what Colby Carthel has done there is nothing short of incredible. How quickly he has that turnaround. And, and I, I know I mentioned this a few times, but this, re this team really does remind me of the 2017 Texas A&M Commerce squad that he led to the national title. He's got a quarterback that's not going to wow you with any sort of his ability, but he, he's good at everything. And, and he knows how to get the team down the field and score points and trace self. So he's got that. He's got running backs are a dime a dozen. He can move them in and out there. He's going to have enough offensive line. That's where he really has – has made a difference. Offensive and defensive lines are what SFA owns. And they brought a lot back from last year's team. That game against UIW, that overtime game, could have gone either way. Yeah, That, that was, was one of the most incredible yeah. games. of. Uh, that was an incredible weekend for me, just kind of a side note. That was Thanksgiving weekend. Right. And so I started off Thursday covering the Cowboys and Raiders that went to overtime. Then Friday I went and covered Holiday uh, in a game at, at – didn't it didn't didn't Ryan's Field, mm -hmm. Collins Stadium, mm -hmm. and that went to overtime. 
Okay. Then I go, I go to San Antonio and I cover UIW and SFA. They go to overtime. It was one. Of, it was a weekend that I'll never have again. It was such great football. And, That's and a lot of free football. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. yeah, the only one that I didn't like was the Cowboys because the game took forever and it was a record number of penalties. So the 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 high school game and the college game, I, man, that UIW game it had me it had me excited all the trip home from San Antonio. It was so much fun. Yeah, that was that was one of the top games of last year. Um, do you think SFA is like a legit national championship contender? I, I I've actually been surprised. I thought they'd be ranked higher in some of the polls yeah. I've seen. Do you think that they are one of the top four or five teams in the country? I think that uh, Colby Carthel is using that ranking for motivation. Yeah. Because it's almost an insult to put the Lumberjacks at 10th right now in in FCS. There's no way they're the 10th team. I, I definitely think they're a top five team. Uh, the key for them is going to be whatever – the key for any national championship team is that you got to stay healthy and you've got to have some things go your way. Yeah. I remember the 2017 Texas A&M Commerce team. Colby Carthel at home, backed up in his own end zone. I believe it was against Harding. Things were not going right. He did a fake punt from his own, like, one-yard line. And it converted, and it changed the entire game. And then that changed the entire season. They, they were that close to not making a, a national title. But that just shows you, well, things got to break your way. Yeah. And if things break their way, they're definitely a, a contender. And then lastly, before we move on to Tarleton, um, what does Sam Houston moving up mean for SFA? Does that change anything in terms of recruiting and who they can get on campus or kind of how they're seen in the FCS world? I don't think it changes it. it Carthel was already getting FBS-level players to SFA. So that's not going to change. He knows how to sell it. I think the biggest question mark I have for SFA this year is defensive coordinator, longtime defensive coordinator with with Colby Carthel Scott Powers is now at Louisiana Tech with Sonny Cumbie mm. so they have a new but Joe Cawthon came in and I don't know if you've seen his resume but he's been def defensive coordinator at these colleges Buffalo Houston Arkansas State D2 Valdosta State and Texas A&M Commerce so that'll, he, that'll do <laughs> he's pretty good so I, I I just think it's an adjustment period to, to maybe you know some things but they'll get that ironed out in the first few weeks and then they're going to just roll and then lastly in the WAC, we look at the Tarleton State Texans. Head coach Todd Witten into his 13th year. They were 6-5 and five last year, 2-3 and three in the WAC. They're entering their third year of transition from Division II to FCS, expanding their stadium to 24,000 uh, seats. I think the big news for Tarleton is they added former four-star recruit and Kentucky quarterback Bo Allen to the roster, four years of elig eligibility remaining. Uh, does Allen kind of come in and play right away? They had a pretty good quarterback coming out, so or coming back. So, what are your thoughts on the quarterback room? Well, Stephen Duncan left. Oh, okay. And that's that's kind of why they 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 got Bo Allen to commit there because he was he has that chance to step in and start right away. And that four years of eligibility it's huge. Oh my goodness, it reminds me so much of what Todd Whitten did with Ben Holmes. He brought Ben Holmes in at the end of the D two reign, led them to the playoffs. Bo Allen is that kind of guy. He was a four-star player out of high school, top 20 on ESPN quarterbacks in the entire class, top five in Kentucky. His He's got every measurable and everything you want, and Todd Witten knows how to get those guys to play football. So I have no doubt that they're going to be they're going to be fine, but I think that's another team not necessarily looking for this year. But they need to do 
seven wins. They need about six, seven, eight wins this year because even though, yes, last year transition, you're putting 24,000 seats in. You've rebuilt that football stadium. You, you've got dreams, and nobody's questioning your dreams of going to FBS. You had better be competitive right there, right? That's where those expectations come in. So he has high expectations. Anyway, don't, don't forget, they got the not, director of intercollegiate athletics, Lon Reisman, is now in the, is running for a place on city council. So they're, they're putting everything together to keep going. And so that football team, he need, he's going to need, going to need six, seven, eight wins this year. Yeah. I mean, that leads me kind of into my next question about Tarleton, you know, with, with Sam Houston kind of moving up, you know, SFA kind of looks like the power of the whack kind of moving forward. How long until Tarleton's, you know, right there with SFA in terms of perception? Tarleton may still be a few years away, but I love what Coach Witten has done there. He's built a lot of depth. He, he really kind of – at D2 level, he kind of focused a lot more on transfers, having a very a very uh, mature squad. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, that uh, – every coach I talk to, offensive line, defensive line is always what matters, mm-hmm. and that's always where they're looking to recruit. But – what they look in the transfer portal is a junior or senior offensive lineman just because they've had that the couple years in the weight room, the maturity level of that, that makes a huge difference. He went with a lot of high school guys. So a couple years they're gonna be built up. They're gonna be they're gonna have they're gonna be the juniors and seniors. His his entire recruiting class this year was transfers. So he's he knows he's got a younger team. So this is kind of an eye to when we're gonna be playoff eligible. So, final conclusions on WAC, on the WAC. We feel like this is FFA, SFA's conference to win, and it'd be pretty shocking if, if that wasn't that oh, wasn't yeah. the case. Yeah, I would I would be shocked if SFA doesn't win that uh, this year, especially with Sam Houston not eligible. Like right. normally, it'd be one of those two. Right. The team to watch though, Abilene Christian, new coach coming in. That team's got they had 19 transfers from FBS schools, so that's that's pretty good, and that's going to be a team that is going to be interesting to watch this year too. Moving on to the Southland, you had number one. Again, this is before Incarnate Word announced that they were moving to, to the yes. Southland in this year. But uh, Number one, Southeastern Louisiana. Two, Nichols. Three, McNeese. Four, Northwestern State. Five, Houston Baptist. Six, Texas A&M Commerce. If you were to do that again today, where would you slot Incarnate Word in terms of, of Southland oh, predictions? I, I would put them at the top. I know that the, the preseason poll has them behind Southeastern Louisiana. I just feel like... There's a lot of question marks with both those teams coming in. New new quarterback, new coach at UIW, new quarterback. I mean, Cole Kelly was incredible at Southeastern. That's a huge loss. He yeah. led them on rushing and passing. They're going to be good, but I just think UIW is the class of the Southland Conference right now, and with every good reason. Yeah, but to look at Incarnate Word, they went 10-3 and last year, made the FCS playoffs like we talked about, beat SFA in that classic overtime game. Eric Morris and, and Cam Ward, the quarterback, move on to Washington State, coach and, and quarterback moving on to, to Power 5. They bring in a familiar name, familiar face to the to the state of Texas, and G.J. Uh, Kinney. I always want to do J.G. You know, like it's just <laughs> yeah. the G in front of the J always gets me. G.J. Yeah. Kinney, uh, former quarterback, played in the NFL for a little while, played at Gilmer with Jeff Trailer when Jeff Trailer was a coach at Gilmer. Um, and so, yeah, a, a different a different quarterback, different offensive system. 
they were kind of known as an offensive juggernaut last year. Do they take a step back? I mean, I guess you have to with Cam Ward not being there. I think they do just because it is a new system. But, look, they got Lindsey Scott Jr. at quarterback, transfer in from Nichols. Uh, he is a proven quarterback. He will be fine. They've got wide receivers, Taylor Grimes, yeah. and a few. I mean, they've got a wide receiver core that is just solid. They are stacked. The offensive line is really good. Running back, I, I don't have any doubt they'll find one to play there. And, you know, a lot of times people forget last year they were one yard away from beating Sam Houston. Yep. They were one yard. They got stopped right on the goal line. Sam Houston's final play, they had to do a quarterback sneak. They couldn't just kneel <laughs> right. it. That's how right. close they were right. to the end zone. So that was a heck of a game. And then defensively, that's where the Cardinals, I think, are going to be much improved. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, you've got uh, – I'm probably going to mess up his name, but Kalechi Anyalabechi. That is closer than I could have got. Uh, Kalechi is amazing. Yeah. Like, that guy, he is just incredible. He is a terror. And, and they have a good defensive line. They lost some some defensive line guys in the transfer portal. One, Blaine Hoover went to Tarleton, and he's going to step in and do well there. So, that just shows you the depth they have at UIW. And Taylor Grimes, Darian Chafin from Burke, who also went to, I believe it was uh, Cisco. I believe he went to Cisco Junior College. Uh, he – He's a guy who can really make some plays on the outside for him, too. So it, there may be a couple of get-it-right weeks. And then I think, you know, as players learn that system, they – and the other thing, Coach has been there a while. Right. This was – you know, Coach Morris left right at the end of the season. So they've had a little longer here under, under Coach Kenny's system. So I don't know that there will be quite as big an adjustment. Do you think it was a good move for the Southland? Like, do you understand why they moved to the Southland? Like, what is yes. the benefit for Incarnate Word for those that just maybe don't follow that kind of conference realignment stuff? It's about matching up with like-minded schools. That's really what it all comes down to. When you look at the WAC, it was kind of a shock that they joined that they were going to join there. Anyway, it was a shock that Lamar went. Um, then I think now we're kind of at the alignment where they should be. Right. Uh, you've like SFA, Abilene Christian, those teams, they won't, they're going to make a name for themselves and they can do that in the WAC and the WAC. The other thing too, the WAC is so much travel in basketball season. You're traveling to Seattle, Washington in the Southland. I heard their commissioner talk about it during media day and it really described it perfectly. They're a gas tank league. It takes a gas tank to get there and a gas tank to come home. Anyone can go watch. Parents can go watch their kids play. Fans can go watch their teams. That's what they're doing. And they don't want to travel 3,000 miles for a basketball game or a volleyball game, right? right. In the Southland, they don't have the funds to do that either. That's the other thing. Funding-wise, they don't quite have that alumni base that donates at that level to do that. They don't have the facilities. Yeah. Especially, you know, UIW knew that they were going to need to upgrade. And they still plan on upgrading facilities. But the upgrades they would need to compete in the WAC were going to cost probably way more than they would have been able to do anytime soon. So it really was getting kind of a the, the final transformation here, possibly. There may be a team <laughs> added here or there or, or decide to move. It's never done anymore. It I, isn't. Yeah. It is. It, the only downside in the, the Southland Conference now is that uh, everything is going to take place in Lake Charles, although I don't know if it's a downside because that's a pretty nice area to be to have to go <laughs> hey, to get some gambling done. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm fine with I'm fine with that trip. Whenever, you know, I, um, 
I think in the world of more national conferences, it's refreshing to see one that's trying to remain regional. Yes. And I like that about the Southland and how they're doing. You know, like you can build real rivalries. You can build real road trips, yeah. as you were talking about. That's a good thing for college football. You know, Incarnate Word was 14 and 15 in Morris's first three seasons at, at UIW, 10 and 3 last year. Just in, in general, do you think that program's closer to the 500 kind of average team, or do you think for a long period of time they can be more, you know, 10 wins, make the FCS playoffs, going to be a successful program in that way? They're headed towards that 10-win playoff every year expectation, and that's because of what Coach Morris did there building. He came in and he really went young. They were so they were a surprise when they first made the playoffs. That was a complete shocker. But you know the 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 thing with them with with UIW, the questions are of course the offense, but that defense and the high turnover rate. That's something that hasn't been talked about a lot. UIW and Coach Morris's defense were known for turnovers. They were plus a ton every year. They were so good at it. With a new system in, maybe the, the emphasis isn't so much on trying to create those turnovers. Now, the flip side of that, you, try, you go for creating turnovers, you're going to miss some. I mean, you're taking a gamble. A gamble doesn't always win. So you're giving up a lot of points, which they did that too. So maybe the flip side is they're able to kind of stop teams a little bit. Maybe what, he, what Coach Kenny's bringing in is more of the same type. A little bit upbeat when we need to offensively, but kind of lean on that defense a little more. I think if they do that, they definitely are going to become a national power pretty soon. That is the side of the ball that they got to work on because they're yeah. scoring plenty of points. Scoring plenty of points. Let's move on to Texas A&M Commerce. The Lions are moving up. Uh, first season as a Division One program, moving up from the Lone Star Conference uh, to the FCS ranks. David Bailiff, a you know, long time, you know, Rice coach, been around the state. I consider David Bailiff like the Kevin Bacon of te of coaches <laughs> in the state of Texas. Like there is a six degrees of separation between David Bailiff and everybody in the state like literally yes. everybody in the state uh so rooting for them they were seven and four last year kind of for the, for people that may not watch all the, like what's the biggest difference between d2 and d1 depth yeah and, and it it's scholarship level the the talent the level of talented play with the ones it's pretty even mm -hmm. uh, there's not a big difference between d2 and d1 the level of play the quarterback play maybe a little bit sometimes you get a little more accurate quarterbacks at the d1 than you do d2 level but it really comes down to having 63 scholarships means that you can now you know you can build that depth behind it and that is my reason for putting Commerce where I did because I know everybody looks at what Tarleton did and they, they splashed onto the scene. That was a spring season. They played five games. They went three and two. They, they really had trouble later in that season. Last year, they started off really good. They started – it hurt them later on in the season because Tarleton's still building that depth. Right. So with Commerce coming in, it's a full season. So I think Commerce is going to start off pretty good. I mean, uh, they're going to start off looking really good. And then I, I expect to maybe see them fade down towards the end of the season as injuries are going to build up and depth plays a role. If they stay fully healthy, look, that's a team that could be that, that could be very dangerous. They were good. Uh, they were the best 7-4 and four team in the country last year at, at probably any level. Like that team was – they just didn't quite get what they needed from their quarterback due to injuries and, and things of that nature. 
They did lose a lot on the offensive line. Amon Simon is now trying with the Cowboys right now. He's in camp with the Cowboys. Uh, They lost a lot in their defensive backfield, a whole lot in their defensive backfield. So there is a lot of playmakers they have to replace as well this year. How long does that take? Like, How many recruiting cycles do you think they need before the depth is no longer a concern? It really is about four or five. And, and I really think that's why the transition period of four years is like the perfect time. But I, I also think it's time to pull that back a year because, I, you know, Tarleton has had three years. Maybe they don't have the full depth they would like to have, but they've got enough that if they could compete for a conference title, they want to do it. All right, and with the transfer portal, you can speed that up a little bit it's, quicker yes. than maybe you could 10 years it ago. Does. So, I, I mean, in – Coach Bailiff has done a great job with the transfer portal. He brought in a really good quarterback, Jagger LaRoe. Uh, I mean, he he did really well with that. So there is hope there. I just don't – when I say when I say depth, I'm not always talking so much about what they can recruit and bring in. It's about what they actually can pay because you don't go from 36 scholarships to 63 funded overnight. You have to build that over time. And so that's why that transition period is put in place there. And I think that's the other thing, too, APR. Yeah. APR is not a thing in Division Two, right? Like there are there are ways to, to get who you want on campus in Division Two. It's not that way in Division One. There's there's penalties. There's punishment. There's expectations for that now. So yeah, you you have got to watch. You got to be careful with him. <laughs> That's kind of what I would say. The commerce is one of those. I like I said, I think they're going to be really good. But this is a process, and I think Coach Bailiff is the perfect guy to handle it. He understands that it's a process. Uh, he just needs a fan base with him that understands it's a process too. And I I don't know that they're there yet. But there is a part of the fan base that does. And that fan base needs to win out and give him some time to build. So we got SFA winning winning the WAC. We got we got Incarnate Word winning the Southland, both pretty equal favorites. Uh you know what? I I would SFA is an overwhelming favorite, especially like we were talking earlier with Sam not being able to to compete for it. Uh, UIW Southeastern Louisiana, that's a real battle. Okay. And, and then Nichols is another real battle. That always so I would say SFA is a higher favorite to win than UIW. Shout out the Southern East, Southeastern Louisiana Lions. That's where my little brother played college oh, football cool. back when Pete Golding was the defensive coordinator. <laughs> he had a little bit of a glow up. He's now the Alabama defensive coordinator. That's, so that's okay. Yeah, he's moved up a little that's bit and like right. he's just getting screamed at by Nick Saban every single day. So I don't know if the money's <laughs> worth it. But uh to move on to the SWAC. Uh, we got on the east side of the division, that's where no Texas teams are. Jackson State uh, finishing first, that's Deion Sanders, Shamar, Shamar Sanders, uh, those guys there. Florida A&M, Alabama State, Alabama A&M, Mississippi Valley State, and then Bethune-Cookman, which I always thought was like a funeral home. Like, doesn't that sound like, doesn't that sound like a funeral like home like to me? Uh, and then on the west side, Prairie View A&M predicted to go first, Alcorn State two, Southern three, Grambling, Grambling State Four, Texas Southern five, Arkansas Pine Bluff six. For me, the SWAC feels like a, an East dominant division, oh, right? Yes. East dominant conference, right? 
Prairie View A&M, if we had to project them on the east, I think I'd have them between third and fourth, yes. you know, like between those kind of the Alabama schools. Uh, but on the west, I think they have a real shot uh, to win that division for the second straight year, even with a new head coach, Bubba McDowell. Uh, I grew up an Oilers fan, so I've known about Bubba McDowell my whole life. He's his first season there. He'd been a longtime assistant coach. I don't know if he really wanted to be a head coach early on in his career. He just kind of wanted to be an assistant coach, help out, see what he could do. Uh, but when the job opened, I, th I think he got so much of a push from the players on that roster yeah. that he had to take the job. Excited to see what he'll do there. They went 7-5 and five last year, won the West, lost to Jackson State in the, the conference championship game, uh, lost two defensive starters to the transfer portal in a, in a pretty unfortunate situation for them. Jake Cheatham, uh, the defensive back, is gone. Jason Dumas, the uh, defensive lineman, is gone. They're both in our magazine, yes. you know, because that happened, that happened after we sent that one away, so that was another unfortunate one. What do you think the Panthers are this year? What do you think that their ceiling is? Oh, their ceiling is playing in the SWAC title game. They, they definitely have that ceiling, and again, it's because they're in the West. Uh, and for a long time, the West was not the dominant conference, <laughs> not dominant side of the swag. But with Jackson State uh, being over there, we know what they have. Florida A&M, that's really good. a real threat. Yep. They've got the best linebacker in the country at any level. I, Isaiah Land is just phenomenal. And so uh, go ahead and pencil him on the All-American teams for the end of the season. That's how, just how good he is. So it, that's a tough conference. So whoever comes out of that East is definitely going to be favored to win the SWAC and head on to the Celebration Bowl. But the, the key for Prairie View this year is going to be on the offensive side because defensively they're, they're good. They've got a good front seven. They, you talked about Drake Cheatham leaving. That hurts the backfield. They're going to need to – they could have some issues in the backfield. I think – Coach McDowell knows this, but at the same time... Former DB. You know, yes. He should know that. Yeah. He does know this. Yeah. But he also understands that that front seven and the pressure they put on that quarterback is going to help any DBs he has back. That's the biggest thing. If you can win the battle at the line, and then you've got that linebackers to help out there, DBs don't have to cover for six, seven seconds, and they're not made to cover for six. No play is designed for them to go for seven seconds or longer on defensive backside. So the offense is the question. Do you think the loss of Cheatham or uh, Dumas is more, uh, uh, I guess, detrimental to the, to the defensive think, side of I the ball? I think Cheatham because having that experience at safety back there, and he's been able to – he's a ball hawk too. Like that guy just knows how – he's got an instinct for the ball. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think that's probably the biggest loss. It just he started there when he was a freshman. Yeah, he he was he Drake Cheatham is just an amazing player. So yeah, that's a big loss for them. Quarterback Trazon Conley is going to take over for Jawan Pass, the former Louisiana transfer, is out of there. Jalen Howard. Uh, probably the best wide receiver. I'm excited to see Jaden Stewart with a bigger role. They're running back there. I, when I was talking to McDowell uh, for the magazine preview, he was really high on Jaden Stewart and, and how how well he's performed during the offseason, kind of added a little bit more shiftiness to them. Um, before we move on to Texas Southern, and this is kind of a general SWAT question, how do you think that these these programs and this conference can capitalize on the Deion Sanders and like the more publicity that they're getting right now? Like, what can they do to kind oh, of stay in the limelight? We're seeing it right now. They're getting the recruits, and every time they get one of those high ranked recruits, they end up on the front page of ESPN again. And they and that is a conference. You talk about a conference on the rise. 
they they are on the rise and they are doing really well for themselves. It's really good to see. I've always been a fan of the swag. Uh, when on the old like '95 PlayStation college game, I was always like Bethune Cookman Wildcats. You know, so it's funny you said that about. I, I just, my whole life, I've just been like, you know, every time you see a funeral home, it's always like two last names put together, like Walden Cook, you know, and stuff like that. Um, so like anytime I see Bethune Cookman, I'm like, oh, funeral home swag team. The the key for Prairie View and Texas Southern to take advantage is they're in they're in the Houston area, yep. so they've got the the area they can get it from. They need to make some of those headlines as well, like Jackson State is doing. And really, their season is going to come down to that offense. It's going to come down to their offensive line. Can they protect Conley? And can Conley improve his accuracy? Yeah. Uh, the games I saw of Conley last year, accuracy was a problem. I think he he only threw twenty passes, but he completed six of those. So it kind of shows to help him though, if they can protect him. He's got wide receivers that are really solid. Texas is probably wide receiver heavy as a state. Right. All 47 It's a seven-on-seven influence. It is. Yeah. It is. And they, those guys, if they can get the separation and give him maybe a little more space than, than, than you give a normal quarter – or not normal quarter, but a really good quarterback, right. like right. maybe more than Juwan Pass. Juwan Pass could fit that in there. Yeah. Trazon Conley is still working on fitting that in there. Yeah. So give him just a little more separation. They they could they could make a run. And he's more athletic, so he's going to run yes. the ball a lot. I, I think he's involved in the run game. He'll get on the edges to where it'll be kind of like a one choice or run type route situation. Um, so hopefully they figure out kind of interesting and creative ways to to deal with that offense. Because I, I I agree with you. I, I I think if there's a concern, it's the accuracy of their quarterback. And hopefully that's one of those things that by game four, game five, game six is improving, improving, improving early on. I think we see him well, run he, the ball a little bit more. He's super talented. He's so talented. He yeah. is super talented. So I, I know he can. I think last year with a lot of inexperience and youth, right. and that plays a role in it. So yeah, you're was, just not getting a lot of reps at practice because you're not the starter and stuff like that. And he that. never ex- – he didn't expect to play. Now it's different. He's had yeah. a full year. He knows he's the guy. So I I, I expect good things from Trazon Conley because I know he could, he could play. Yeah, he can ball. Texas Southern head coach Clarence McKinney going into his fourth season. They were 3-6 and six last year, two wins in the SWAC. Snapped a 16-game losing streak that dated back to October of 2018. Quarterback Andrew Body is a star, former Cor- Corpus Christi Miller standout. Can the defense kind of catch up a little bit to the offense? Because it feels like the offense is now at SWAC competitive levels, yes. right? Like they're going to score enough points. They're going to be good enough to kind of compete with, you know, maybe not Jackson State, you know, maybe not, you know, the top tier teams like Florida A&M, but they can compete with Alcorn State, Southern, Grambling State, those kind of stuff offensively. Does the defense catch up this year or are they still a year or two away on that side that's of the ball? That's the big question. And that's what we don't know. And a lot of that, you know, uh, Clarence McKinney came in and, and he had to redo the entire program pretty much. He came in from Arizona, but he came in with a Houston focus. And so the offense has outpaced the defense on the improvement. So the question does become how long is it going to take him to find that depth uh, and the people he needs on the defensive side. It doesn't hurt when you have a guy like Andrew Body to show them on tape and see what he could do because he's going to score you points. Uh, but you talk about the defense. Last year, they couldn't get off the field. Third down, 41.9% of the time they allowed a conversion. And it, it got worse on fourth down. Right. You can't get them on third, you just go for it on fourth. 71.4% of the time opposing team went for it on fourth down against Texas Southern last year. They converted. You can't get off. Now, look, red zone, Texas Southern was good in the red zone. It was third and fourth down. It really was. Because you look at their red zone stats, they 
they didn't allow a whole lot of success, but they allowed 15 more opportunities than their offense had. And that is strictly because they can't get off the field on third and fourth down. So the the concern, I have a big concern for Texas Southern this year because their schedule is brutal. <laughs> It is the it is I I mean it may be the most brutal of any of the small college teams. It is just horrible. You first four of your first five, first four games, first six of seven on the road at Prairie View. Then you're playing at North Texas. You, you got Southern at UTSA at UAPB Alcorn. Good night. And then no, then after all that, you couple weeks and you get Jackson. Right. <laughs> Right, so this schedule is so hard for them, and that's why uh, I think I think if they can get back to three wins, maybe a fourth win, that that's got to be considered a real step up, uh, and and a lot of that will depend solely on that defense, and then on the offensive side, there's not really a question other than will Andrew Body suffer kind of a sophomore slump like we've seen some guys have. I mean. You know, Trevor Lawrence had that at Clemson. So, yeah. are we going to see yeah. a little bit of that? Defenses get a book on him, figure out what he likes to do, what he doesn't like to do, maybe force him to do some things we haven't seen him do on film. Uh, but, yeah, he's been good everywhere he's gone, right? He just, yeah. he just produces. Uh, lastly, before we move on, you know, with, with Coach McKinney there, and I, I think he's doing an excellent job, right? Uh, like, like we just talked about, Andrew Body there as a quarterback, to kind of be the face of a program, to kind of bring in recruits. You know, do you think we see a, a situation where I th feel like for most of my life, Prairie View's been on top of Texas Southern in terms of pecking order of the swag. Do you think that could switch potentially just with, you know, the head coach and who he is and Andrew Body being there? They could make it. Not this year, but not just, this year. Right. In in the future, definitely. Right. I, I mean, I think Texas Southern found the guy they need to build because Texas Southern is not a national program. They're not going to be a state program. Coach McKinney knows they can be very successful in Houston, yeah. and you can you've got a lot of talent in Houston. Houston supplies a lot of D two schools. Go in there and pull them. Get some of those kids. These are these are good players. Yeah. They they can really they've got that area. Both of them. I know the SWAC is is not necessarily looking to expand. I know both those schools were contacted about moving out of the SWAC. Neither one of them has a desire to do that. They're in the best place they can be right now. And I think Texas Southern is going to get more competitive there. It's it's kind of funny you say that because Texas Southern has always kind of been better in basketball. Right. Maybe they're flipping a little bit to where Texas Southern takes football and Prairie View gets basketball bragging rights. But it's still a couple years away. Yeah, I, I also, like you, I've always been a SWAC fan. Like, I spent my elementary years in, in, like, the northwest Houston area, and you could get to Prairie View A&M and watch a game for $5, you know. And so yeah. that was always that was a, a lot of fun. Moving on to uh, maybe our favorite conference here at, at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, the Lone Star Conference. Before we get into kind of the talk about the Lone Star, let's go through the predictions real quick. Number one, Angelo State. Number two, Central Washington. And if and if if these names sound weird, right? Like uh, we'll 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 get to it. So one, Angelo State. Two, Central Washington. Three, West Texas A and M. Four, Midwestern State. Five, UT Permian Basin. Six, Texas A and M Kingsville. Seven, Western Oregon. <laughs> Eight, Eastern New Mexico. Nine, Western New Mexico. Ten, Simon Fraser. And for those who don't know, that's in Canada. Yes. Uh, so. 
from Texas A&M Kingsville, I read this in your your conference report. From Texas A&M Kingsville to Simon Fraser is 2424 miles. For reference, for reference, USC to Rutgers 2754 miles. So there's only 300 <laughs> miles separating it, but the budget's a little bit different, right? USC yeah. can afford to get to Rutgers a little bit easier. Uh, what are your just overall thoughts on this, the craziness of a conference that includes teams like Angelo State to Central Washington to Eastern New Mexico all the way to British Columbia, Canada? Well, first off, thank you so much. You have now made my wife extremely happy the entire trip. She is going to gloat all the way I home. I did this for you. Because yeah. you mentioned Rutgers. Yeah, because I, I, so. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I'll just do it to Maryland. And I was like, no, 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 oh, we no. got to do it to Rutgers. No, yeah. got to go to Rutgers. Yeah. And, and, you know, of course, you now have a Rutgers beanbag. So there you go, right? Like, that helps you out. That's just to peg, that's to peg Greg Tepper with when he makes the, another Simpsons joke, you know? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so uh, – Look, this conference, this is insane. It's insane. D2 is uh, – they all, it, it made sense in this way. They already had a scheduling alliance where they were forcing their teams to travel there anyway, so why not bring them in as affiliates for football for a couple of years? My question at Media Day, and I, uh, I knew I wasn't going to get the answer, but how viable is this long-term to spend that kind of money? And, and – you're not going to get anyone on record to tell you anything about that. But I will say that is a concern that I, not only I have, a lot of people have in the conference. It's just hard to be viable in football, especially when D2 is weird. Like This is something we were kind of discussing a little bit over text yesterday. Just D2 in general. It's flourishing some areas. It's not here in Texas. Like Ohio area, the – GLVAC, they got the the seven million dollar or seven figure uh, deal with Flow Sports. There's two conferences in D2 that have seven figure deals for broadcast rights. Lone Star Conference doesn't have that, so it's almost there, there's a a lot of question, a lot of feeling from a lot of people, coaches and people associated with D2 football. That's a JUCO now because the transfer portal has made it to where guys come in, you find those diamonds in the rough, you build them up two years, they then leave your program yeah. before you get the full benefit of, of your work, really. And and I can understand that, and that is a real concern. So the question, it, it almost seems as if the question is, are we going to go D1 or are we going to go NAI? That, honestly, that seems to be the biggest question. I think it's split. There's – they're splits all over. And, and there's a few schools in the conference that are just dead set on remaining D2 no matter what. And, and that's fine too, but you're going to have to – you got to compete on that level with the conferences that can make seven-figure TV rights deals because now they got a big advantage over you. If, you, and, and if you're the key. conference czar, right, which way would you go? Right? Like I, I give you the keys to the castle and you get to be the Lone Star Conference kind of king for a day, right? Are you going NIA or which, which way are you going? I'm going, I'm going FCS. Okay. Uh, for the majority of the school. And really on a school by school basis, I would, I would probably break that down. Okay. So you got like Angelo State, Midwestern State, WT. Well, the Texas schools, I would take Angelo, MSU, WT, and I would put them in. Either the Southland or WAC. I would split them up like that. Like I'd put MSU in the Southland. I'd probably put Angelo and WT in the WAC. Geographically, that kind of how they fit. UTPB also could be a WAC school. 
Uh, but Kingsville, I would combine them, and there's been talk of this in the past, but this is what I would do if I had my one day. Right. I combine them with A&M Corpus Christi, and they start a football program because now it's not going to be as cost-heavy. It makes sense. They're right there in that same area of Texas. So I, I that's what I would do, and that would be another FCS team in the Southland. Now, if you're talking Western Oregon, Simon Frazier, uh, you know, the, the GNAC schools, I would look at NAI because that's, there's a, a stronger a stronger core and more teams to play in an NAI kind of in that area yeah. than, than there are in D2. That Azusa Pacific stopping football is – that just really hurt the western side at Super Region 4. Uh, basically, you've got the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference, which is filled to the rim, and – that's it. That's yeah. all you have out there. So it, it's tough. How viable is it for these Division two teams to actually go play in Canada, given the vaccine status and all that kind of stuff? They're not going to Yeah. this year. Uh, they're not allowed to go in there to play like that. So what's going to happen is they're either not going to play or they're going to play somewhere most likely in Washington close to Simon Fraser. Details are still being worked out. I'm still trying to nail down specifics. Uh, and get something confirmed. But, uh, you know, it, it looks like it could be somewhere around, like, the western Washington area, which, you know, that helps the – does it help the schools traveling there? No, but that does hurt a school like Simon Fraser. They don't have a ton of money right now. They haven't played football in a few years because of COVID. And, you know, that hurts all your athletes, everything, every level of that. Now you're going to have to get on a bus and travel over to western <laughs> you gotta Washington. you got to have a home budget. Yes, right. You do. You got to. That's a two-hour bus ride, right? So that that there's money involved in that. Then you got to feed them. You think of that too. You know, I mean, if if they want a hotel, if they don't want to drive on game day, because a lot of coaches don't like to drive two hours on game day. There, there's cost in that. Like, there's just so much to it. On the flip side, they could use this to their advantage because they do a lot of recruiting in that Washington and Oregon area. So the, turn each one of those, kind of make some, some orange juice out of it and, yeah. you know, go recruit a little bit. I need to talk the bosses into sending us up there at some point just because that's my favorite area of the country. I think I need like to go Pacific to Central Northwest. Washington. I need, I need to go see a game up there. Who's yeah. playing there that I can go <laughs> Right, right. Because if I, if I was doing it all over again and I knew Simon Fraser had a football team, I'd be sending my tape up there. You know, like I, <laughs> Put me in British Columbia with the weather. Maybe that's just August, Texas talking. It's like, please put me anywhere <laughs> yeah. else. Um, you broke some news for Midwestern State, the defending yeah. the defending Lone Star champs. You know, talk to us a little bit about that quarterback situation now. Well, it, Dylan Sterling Cole has got has gained another year of eligibility from the NCAA, so that changes things. If I had to redo that order of teams right now, I put MSU as my favorite. Also, when I did that, Angelo State still had the best offensive line in the in the conference. Now they don't. You know, no, or at least they lost key parts of that. I'll say, I want to put it that way. Uh, you know, and some of that went to Jackson State. <laughs> you know, Patrick Willis. So, yeah, it, it's, it, it's, uh, so I would put MSU up there. I think West Texas A&M is going to be a really good team, one to watch right there. UTPB is always sneaky. And, and what Justin Kerrigan does there is amazing. They're going to be really good. They're going to be a threat in every game. That's a program that's about seven, eight years in now. He's got them built. They're going to be a threat every game. And then Kingsville is my surprise team, team to watch. 
that team could end up becoming a conference champion. I'm not kidding. They have that kind of ceiling. I don't think I think the floor is about where they were picked mid-pack in right. the preseason poll. I think that's the floor for this team and with getting Miklo Smalls is a game changer for that offense. Yeah, Angela State went to the playoffs last year for the first time since 2014. West Texas A&M won 5 of its last 6 games including a win over Midwestern State and Angelo State. Texas A&M Kingsville 5 wins in 2021 uh, were the most in 5 years. Uh, and then UT Permian Basin, you know, they're only in their seventh year as a college football program. Yeah. Um, so a lot of growth there in the state of Texas. You know, for for people that don't, may not watch a lot of that level, right? Like, how what do you compare it to? What do you what do you what do you think the talent level is there? Like, what would people be watching? Uh, you know, in, in some ways, it's minor league baseball. Yeah, that's, that's a good. That's a good. I like double A. Like yeah, double A baseball. I think it's a double A because every year I cover. There's always a few D two guys that get drafted. Right. There's a few now a lot of D three there now. Then there's a, a few D threes that get drafted players. So there's always been some players picked from D two that have been drafted and done really well. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's kind of that double A of. Of level and FCS is like triple A if right. you really want to call it that. Right. It's kind of how it is. When you're putting together, you know, a conference preview for for a conference, like how hard is it, right? Because like when I'm doing the Big Twelve <laughs> preview, it can be kind of difficult to know like who transferred where and who's there and who's not there. And all. but that's that's like Baylor in Oklahoma. Like yes. I can find resources for that. Yes. You are the resource for that, right? <laughs> so like how how hard is it to kind of come up with these predictions when, you know, you don't know who's gonna be on that roster by August or September? It's really hard. And and just doing the preview, just writing the preview itself is so hard. It, usually the spring may tell you a little bit, but Nobody puts out anything. Have you ever tried to find anything about a Division II spring football game? It's, it's hard to do. It's hard to do. It's, it's, hard it's to tough do. to find. It's hard to find things on social media about it, and they're not broadcasting them a lot of times. So it really is – D3 is even more even harder. Like you go D3, they don't even have rosters online yet, and the season starts in a couple weeks. So it, it's really difficult kind of to pick some of that out. Uh, the SIDs are great. They help out with that. If I ask for information, you know, kind of who's – is someone on roster or are they not? They're really good with that. They, they, they are assisting. They do a great job of that. But um, when it comes to – putting that the especially you talk d2 d3 conferences a lot of it's just based on who's returning and what did they do last year yeah i because i mean i was putting the together the depth charts for like baylor and stuff and was like pulling teeth you know so i, I can't even imagine what it's you, like to try to you want to know my uh my secret yeah always well, I, I'm a big Twitter list guy. I showed you that earlier. Yeah. I've got lists all over yeah. the place. But I have like a recruiting list that I, I go through. The other thing, though, is I scour message boards. Social media and college message boards. You find Facebook pages of these teams, you're going to find information about them. The, some of them, like Cats fans, is really good with the Sam Houston right. stuff. You know, uh, there's the, the D2Football.com has good message boards in there. I scoured all those message boards, all those Facebook. I could tell you what the alumni of each school thinks right now. Okay, I scour all those, and that's what I do a lot of the time. That's how I get the blitz. Yeah. You know, it's always scouring for that information. Let's move down to Division Three with the American Southwest Conference. It's going to surprise some people, I think. Number one, <laughs> Harden Simmons. 
Number two, Mary Harden Baylor. Number three, Howard Payne. Four, McMurray. Five, Southwestern. Six, East Texas Baptist. Seven, Texas Lutheran. Eight, Austin College. Nine, Sol Ross State. I I would go to Alpine. We were talking about this. Yes. We were talking about if, if college football was played by 35-year-old dudes, <laughs> yeah. Al, Sol Ross would be a power. Yes. Sol, Ross, Sol Ross would be an absolute power. Uh, let's talk about this Harden-Simmons over Mary Harden-Baylor thing. Do you – does that line up with what a lot of people are thinking at no. that level, or are you kind of an outlier here? No, I on on a on it, a limb. I will say that it looks like I'm a fool, and I probably am. Of course, I know I am. And if you go out and ask my wife right now, she'll confirm it. So that's just <laughs> how that is. But I did hear that I created a bit of a stir. Yeah, those are good. A bit of a stir there with that. And you know what? There, it wasn't without reasoning behind it, and I still stand by that today. I still think Harden-Simmons, if if it's that streak is going to win sometime that Mary Harden-Baylor does not win the ASC title and Harden-Simmons <laughs> does, I think that this year, if it lines up, it, it is this season. Yeah. You've got a new head coach. I know he was defensive coordinator, but that means now a new defensive coordinator at Mary Harden-Baylor. Not only there, but you got a new offensive coordinator. So your top three coaching positions have all changed since the season ended last year. You lost some players, you know, and, and you've got some other guys in that – the transfer portal, who they have, who knows right now. <laughs> it's really hard to tell what they have till they hit the field because it's hard to find rosters for these guys, uh, for most of them. But like we know Mary Harden-Baylor is going to be good. We know Harden-Simmons is going to be good because Harden-Simmons returns a lot. Their top three, their coaching staff still pretty much intact. It almost is every year. I mean, what Jesse Burleson does is just – he's so good with that there. They return a lot of starters, up to 10 each on, on each side of the ball could return this year. That continuity, they were the only team to play within 10 points all season of Mary Harden-Baylor last year, and they had Mary Harden-Baylor on the ropes at UMHB. The only other team to do that was Trinity, who we're going to get to here in a minute. So, like, that that's the thing about how good that team is. They return all that. Yep. While there's questions surrounding Mary Harden Baylor. So that's the reasoning behind it. Now, at the end of, um, I believe it's the end of September, they play early this year. I think it's the end of September when uh, they play at Harden Simmons. Yeah, I want to say it's like September 24th or something I, like I think that. it's right around yeah. there. So yeah. when I, I'm, I'm planning on being in that game. And uh, I'm either, I'm going to hear a lot from somebody either way, right? Like, <laughs> is that how that's going to work? And I look forward to it because if I'm wrong, please tell me. Because yeah, sure. I need to, I need you to let me know how wrong I am because it drives me to, to keep looking for ways to make it better. <laughs> now, Mary Hart and Baylor coming off their second national title since 2018. 20-game winning streak is the longest in the nation. Pete Fredenberg, who is a lot of our heroes in the stat, I mean, he's just tremendous. There for 24 years, had a 231-39 and record. Larry Harmon takes over as head coach, like you were talking about. He's 17 years as a defensive coordinator. Oh, yeah. You know, like, no, been, they, there, been there forever. So there's going to be some continuity there. I love Kyle King. I think he's tremendous. The, the, the fact that he threw 35 touchdowns to two interceptions. Yes. Like, when I was reading through that, it's like, that's a – that that's supposed to be twelve, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like we left out, we left off a digit. Like I went to edit it. It's like, oh no, he really did only throw two. So we kind of hinted on this a little bit, but how much do you think the coaching change really does impact them with with having a DC that's been there for seventeen years? I just can't imagine you lose a guy like Coach Pete and there's not some kind 
of adjustment, right? You and that's my point. Right. That, that's there has to be. Yes. And is there continuity there with Coach Harmon? Yes, but sure. he's not been the head coach. Right. So there are new things. Now he's got the whole team to worry about. And so you've got a new defensive coordinator. Does what does he want to do some things his own way? All of your national titles here recently have come under Stephen Lee being the offensive coordinator. Now he's gone. So you have that that change. It's a playbook change. Look, Kyle King, the talent is not a question. It's not a matter of talent. They're always going to be talented. They have got a ton of talent. And, and Kyle King, there's a reason he was at the Manning Passing Academy this year. I mean, he's just – he's incredible. He's going to be a key part of that. I, I just – if you're only – if you're six points ahead of a team last year and you've had – some of those adjustments to make. And and now when you're in camp, you're making those adjustments. You're learning that through camp. There's a learning process. Whereas in Abilene right now, Harden Simmons shows up, There's they already know. They already There's no adjustments being made. They already know that playbook. They're a, that's a step ahead. And that step ahead could be that five, six points come September. Like you mentioned, Harden Simmons uh, went nine and one last year. Their only loss was six points to to Mary Harden Baylor. A game that they were up by twenty one at halftime. Right? Yes. They were they were winning that. They football had every game. reason to win that game. Right. Returned ten starters on each side of the ball, like you talked about. Is your only concern the quarterback position for Harden Simmons? Is that kind of the the only kind of I don't know thing that makes you a little bit leery? It is. It, it that is the one thing that quarterback. It you know we don't know who's stepping in there. And that's another team that's hard to find a roster right now. So I don't know. I don't know who reported for fall camp. Uh, but I, based on who was on their roster, I, I got. I was looking at it. I think Drew Huff might be my favorite. That I just from what I know about the players, Drew Huff from Brownwood might be my favorite to take over that job. And if he is, he's a pretty good player. He was good in high school. He started at Burke Burnett before he went to Brownwood. Uh, so I, I've seen him a little bit. He, he's got some accuracy to him. And Harden Simmons and, and Mary Harden Baylor, they don't need game breakers at quarterback. They need guys who are accurate, who get the ball out to the playmakers and let the playmakers go. Yeah. I guarantee you, if we got Kyle King on the phone, he's going to tell you he's not the most fleet-footed quarterback out Former there. punter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so it's about getting it out to the playmakers, and you've got to have the guy to do that with the ability. And, and just what they had on the roster, Drew Huff would be a great option. Do they have to win the conference to make the playoffs? Yes. There's no other way they can look at this. Right. It's the same thing they had last year. They sure. lost one game by six points on the road to the eventual national champion. And you're not in the playoffs simply because you played one game against an NAI school because you can't find anyone else to play you. And you don't necessarily have the money to make trips to Wisconsin where D3 is big. And that, that's another thing. Like D3, it's good down here. It's big in like the Midwest, Ohio and Minnesota. and the, It's huge up there. And so that's that's a comp that's what these guys compete with really. That's where their competition is. That's how Mount Union is is a power in D three, and so that's the standard. And to get there, it's tough. Moving on to Trinity University in Division three, head coach Jeremy Urban 2021, They went nine and one, seven and zero in sack play. You know, first playoff berth since two thousand eleven. 
lost their lost their only loss, thirteen to three to eventual national championship Mary Mary Harden Baylor. Quarterback Tucker Horn is back. Defense held opponents to eight point one points per game. That's another one that yes. when I was editing your section, I was like, he meant eighteen point one <laughs> points per game. There's no there's no way that somebody held a, you know, in modern football, right? That's like old school, like, you know, uh-huh. high school stuff or whatever from the eighties. How good can they be in twenty twenty two? Well, they return almost everyone from a team that if they would have just been able to to put up a few more points. <laughs> right. Because that game was decided late. Yeah. Mary Hart and Baylor did not put that game away until late. It was so nippet. The, the tension was so real in that stadium. It was great for me, not for anyone else. <laughs> but <laughs> I enjoyed the heck out of it. <laughs> kind of like the Sam Houston UIW game we talked about earlier. I Everyone up there was so tense. I'm back there going, man, this is awesome. And they're like, shut up. You know, <laughs> you, I don't like you right now. Um, no, Trinity, if they, had beat, if they had won that game, I think they – there's no no reason why they would not have been national champion. That's how good they are. That defense, eight points, it's not a joke. Look at what they held Mary Harden Baylor to. Right. You hold that team to 13. You should be winning football games. Who, right. who does that? Right. No one else in the playoffs held them to 13. So, yes, the Trinity is a real threat. And Tucker Horn, former Graham quarterback, he is quick on that release. That is the one thing I didn't. You don't see on on film from him on tape, but in air in person, he gets the ball out so fast, and he makes really good decisions. And then he's got some speed, so he gives the defense fits. Yeah, it was a really good year of football in San Antonio last year with yes. Incarnate Word making the FCS playoffs, getting a couple rounds deep. Uh, Trinity, like we just talked about, went, wins a conference, almost beats the eventual national championship champion. UTSA wins Conference USA. It was a really, really good year uh, in San Antonio. It's cool to see that city kind of get its glow. Let's get to our last team that we're going to uh, to talk about uh, today in this podcast, Southwestern Assemblies of God. Head coach Greg Ellis, former Cowboys, co- or Cowboys player, uh, comes in kind of late in the cycle. How, how, why, what happened there with the coaching change being so late? Do you know kind of what that was about? I have no idea. Yeah, it was I weird. was as shocked as everyone. I'm, I'm sitting there. I've got one of my lists that are all the teams, the school football accounts on the list. So if they update one, it comes on my on my list. And so I, I look at that and I went, huh? <laughs> what? He's gone. And then all of a sudden, like I'm doing Texas College, I'm, I'm not trying to find out who the coach is. Because for the magazine, I was like, I guess it's Greg Ellis. There was nothing. There was nothing. They had nothing updated after the first week of the season last year on their website. So now there's nothing. And then next thing I know, Greg Ellis is, is the coach at Sago. And I was like, okay, well, you know, that, that conference is really going to be incredible because he's got talent there. Keaton Dudick uh, is coming back. He, he had 1,586 yards of 22 touchdowns on All-American Last year, he's coming back. It's interesting. Sagu had the preseason offensive and defensive and special teams player of the year for the sack. But yet, they did not. They finished sixth in the preseason voting. <laughs> so that tells you about the confusion. And, and how confused – what do we think of, of, the, of Sagu? They had one first-place vote, one-third, one-fourth, one-fifth, three-sixth, one-eighth, and one-ninth. 
<laughs> people are over the board, and that's the coaches, right? All over the board on, on Sagu. So, yeah, that that team, it's going to be interesting to see how they do their uh, n- new quarterback. Jordan Barlow is playing professional football now, so new quarterback there. Uh, just real quickly too, though, Texas Wesleyan. That might be a team that we're talking about in the NAIA playoffs, and it's a heck of a story. They just started their program again about five years ago. And and now here they are, picked second in the preseason poll, only behind Ottawa of Arizona, who's a national power type team now. Joe Joe Prudhomme has done such a great job as coach there. They're they're incredible. They're building a new stadium. Like they they are on the rise right now and and I think that's a team they only lost a few seniors on defense. None of their top offensive players at all. Like I was looking I, I you had to go down to about 10th on the on the yardage chart to find a senior last year offensively. That's just how how young they were. So he has built this and and they're going to be a really good team and, and I have a feeling later in the season if I, when I come back uh, which is a warning now. <laughs> just want to warn you. <laughs> later in the season we may be really talking a lot about Tex West. Well, Corey, I can confidently say there's not a better small college preview podcast that's been recorded for the state of Texas than the one that we just did. Right? I'm pretty confident, <laughs> mostly because there may not be another one. <laughs> there probably isn't another one. <laughs> and, and, you know, it may be even the best in the country because there are great podcasts on Division Three on each level has great podcasts. There's not anything that really covers all of them. So who knows? Yeah. Well, you know, to, to kind of let the cat out of the bag, we're thinking about doing this on a weekly basis, you know, doing, nice. doing a 30-minute hour-long kind of recap. You know, we won't be able to touch all 35 schools because that would take five hours or something like that, but doing a, you know, 510 kind of quick hitters uh, of the small college. So we'll get, we'll get that worked out. We'll get that out and about. So if you like this podcast, if you liked what we just did, please let us know, you know, rate, respond. Uh, rate us five stars on all the different platforms. Email me, send me tweets, you know, let our bosses know that that's something that, that people are out there and thirsty for. Sir, uh, really appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. Oh, yeah. Hey, thanks. This is fun. I, if we could do this weekly, man, that'd be right up my dream world. Maybe not many people's dream world, but that's my dream world, <laughs> hey, right? Hey, well, you know, we want to be the place that covers all 47, right? Soon to be yes. 48. Like, that's what separates us from a lot of other places. And so I think adding that podcast would Name be Name me another be place that does that. Yeah, I... That's why I took the job. (laughs) All right, man. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll be talking to you again here in a little bit when we get Republic of Football. All righty. Thank you.